Over the years, I've had the pleasure of interviewing Noodles from The Offspring many times, and today I was finally able to catch up with Dexter Holland from the band to talk about their highly anticipated 10th album, Let the Bad Times Roll, which is out now. Hope you guys enjoy the interview. Hey guys, this is Dexter from The Offspring, and I'm hanging out with Rob on Front Row Live. It's an honor to finally get to talk to you. I've Over the last three or four years, I've been fortunate to talking to Noodles over at uh, Paintbrushes, Punk Rock and Paintbrushes, and Every time he would give me a quick little update on this exciting 10th album. And uh, now I'm excited to get your perspective of this record because it's, you know, a long time coming and there's been so much going on. So uh, first of all, congrats on, on the new record and talk to me a little bit about this album and the idea of initially scrapping it and starting all over again uh, before we get to hear what we hear today. Right. Well, well, thank you. Thank you very much. It's nice to be talking with you here today. Um, you know, it, it's been several years since our last record and it, it wasn't uh, supposed to be that long, but, you know, we just, it felt like it wasn't done till it was done. We've been recording um, ever since the last one. We, uh, we generally go in for a couple weeks at a time and we do a lot of touring still when there was touring. And uh, so it just kind of took until now. So I don't know if it was so much that a record was scrapped necessarily but um we just kind of kept on tweaking till we felt like we had a good batch of songs back then uh noodles had told me that you were trying something different as far as like the writing process goes you were writing in front of the mic um and i'm curious like did that new process kind of stay true throughout this new record or did you end up going back to your old ways of getting together as a band writing and then jumping into the studio yeah. I mean, usually I'll, I'll write as much of a song as I can and just kind of go straight to a demo. Um, Cause when you finally start putting it down in a recording way, that's when you can kind of really hear how it's coming across and stuff. So, uh, uh, but sometimes you don't have a whole song together. You've got a, a little chunk of it. So rather than waiting till a song was done, sometimes we would come in and just start working at it. So in that sense, it was kind of trying to come up with stuff on the spot. And that, that's a different way of working. I mean, sometimes, you know, all of a sudden with a couple of guys in the room, stuff really starts going and, and working. Um, in general, I feel like it's better to have the most of the, as much of the song written as you can before coming in is usually better. And doing that new um, way of kind of recording, like, how do you feel like the addition of or, or bringing Bob Rock back for this record? Like, was that a new process for him as well? Like that you were basically writing in front of the mic, so to speak, or was this something that you kind of got from him initially? Yeah. The thing that's different about working with Bob is he, he loves being part of the creative process uh, from the very beginning. I, I would normally get my demos together and try to, like, like I said, have a song, all the songs sort of hashed out. And I remember early on, he was like, well, I'd like to sit in there while you put the demo together. I'm like, okay, I'm going to be, you know, programming a drum machine for two hours. It's not like there's nothing to listen to for a while, but he's like, well, I, I would still like that. So what's cool about that is that even as the demo's coming out and I coming up and I just want to give people like, it's almost like a sketch of the song. It's a blueprint. It's not necessarily the final version of it, but he'll start having ideas about it early on. And sometimes those ideas um, really help the final product. And it's, so it's kind of good that he gets right into the very, the very seed, the the beginning of a song. Another cool thing that I saw is that, you know, it seems like during this process of, of the initial process of the album, it seems like Bob Rock was a part of it since then and throughout this entire time. So usually when people or when artists work with producers, they don't really have that whole period of time to be with the producer usually. So you had 
you had the opportunity to do that with him. So um, did he have, like, how did he help you guys create this record um, that it is today? And like, in a way that kind of challenged you to step out of your comfort zone. Right. Uh, that's the job of, of a producer, right? For sure. And, and we've been uh, working together for three albums. So some people say, oh, you've worked together three times. But like you said, he's been working with us in between the whole time. So I almost say it's more like 33 times because um, we generally don't, you know, when you used to do an album, it's like, okay, we're going to block out the studio for three months or something and just knock it out. But I get kind of burned out recording that way. I think that you kind of, you can't tell after you hear a song a hundred times what needs to be better or how good it is. So we like to go maybe 10 days at a time and then kind of take a break. And usually we had tour dates anyway. And then you kind of listen to it fresh a couple of weeks later, you can really tell much better what needs to be done on the song. So we, we record more in short bursts. So that's one thing that helps us is, um, you know, gaining perspective, they would call it, I guess. Right. But um, the other thing that, that Bob does is he's really good about like saying, like if something needs to be done, or if it's not quite there yet, he'll say it in like a really nice way. Like, Oh, it's going to be great or something, you know, in a way that kind of hints at that. And, and so I'll say, well, what do you think? What, what's the matter? What do you, what, what do you want to do? And he says, no, no, not what I want to do is what would the offspring do? Like he throws it right back at you in a way that it challenges you. And it's kind of a funny question to ask. Cause you're like, well, we are the offspring. This is what we do, but he's trying to get you to take yourself a step further, which is um, which it usually works out really good. Did you find yourself kind of rediscovering yourself as an artist during the process of this record because you had the amount of time that you did? Um, I think that the, the writing changed direction a couple of times is what kind of what happened when you've put out a bunch of records like we have. I feel like I always want to try to expand what we're doing. I don't want to I never want to feel like we're just repeating. Right. So and I think on the last couple of records. Uh, days go by and stuff we kind of did try to expand widen our circle musically of what we might touch on and we were kind of going in that direction for a little bit and, and then at some point in the middle of the recording I, I decided I wanted to write songs that were more straightforward I, I don't want to call them old offspring but <laughs> that's what people always say oh I like your old stuff right uh that's a very common thing but I I did feel like writing stuff that wasn't trying to be uh super different i think especially as time went on it's been you know years since we put out a record we don't want to have a record that's like out of left field we want it to be like the stuff that we feel like people are gonna like as far as like instrumentation goes uh did you find yourselves kind of recording or, or tracking instruments or even sounds in a different way that you hadn't done before with your previous offspring records uh i'm trying to think of what's different you know, guitar stuff is is always changing. There's a lot of what they call uh, digital modeling now. So some of the recorded tracks aren't even actually amps. They're just uh, imitations of amps, but they sound really good now. So you kind of, uh, for us, it was a mixture of some of that digital stuff and real live miking of instruments. So that was one thing that would be, uh, I guess, a little bit different. Some of the songs just have ins different instrumentation. There's a couple songs that have piano on them and some horns and all that was kind of fun to dive into. And adding like the horns, for example, how did that impact your vocal ranges and, and kind of how you delivered the songs on this record? Hmm. Well, <laughs> I mean, each song kind of has its own vocal and its own style and its own where it sits uh, note wise and stuff. That song, we never have sex anymore. It, it didn't, wasn't particularly high vocally. I think the trick with that is, 
you get the horns have to get out of the way of the vocal. If you know what I mean, you don't necessarily want them all going on at the same time. If, if the, if the horns are doing a lick, you want the vocal to be done and vice versa. A song like uh, behind your walls, like, to, you know, the introduction of that part of that song, you are singing at a lower register. So like that, um, how did that kind of writing process and the recording process kind of challenge you doing it in a lower register compared to the previous, to the other material that you, that you're used to singing. Right. I mean, putting dynamics in music is important to us. So uh, sometimes a good way to do that is, you know, start low and then go high. Right. (laughs) So that was just sort of the idea on that is let's do the first verse uh, a whole octave lower vocally and try to make it sound very um, present. Like I'm right up on the mic and a lot of, that kind of uh, compression to make it make it feel like your voice is right there, sitting right there out in front to sort of um, to sort of exemplify the the lyrics was kind of the idea. And then it just to come in really hard and then go up an octave and just start jamming away. As far as like you preserving your voice, uh, just because I feel like within every producer that you that you get to work with, they challenge you to, to you know, step out of your comfort zone more than you did before. So. How do you, first of all, how do you preserve your voice over the years? And how did you feel challenged the most vocally on this record? Uh, well, preserving your voice is, I mean, part of it is just not using it too much, I guess. You know, we try to make sure we, we don't do 10 nights in a row if we're playing for touring, for example, anymore. We try to limit it so that your voice doesn't get shot. Because once the voice, once your voice gets hoarse, you can't just take one day off to recover. You need a few days in a row, which typically doesn't happen till the end of a tour. So you, you, you want to space it out, pace it so that you're not, not getting to that point where you're fried and you got these dates to, to go still. So that's part of it. I mean, uh, you know, this as dumb as this sounds warming up is actually really important. Just getting that going, uh, getting your voice going. So before every show or before every recording session, or warm up for 20, 20 to 30 minutes. And that's uh, that's about it. I feel like artists, you know, over the years, uh, they start to realize, oh, I've been doing it wrong this whole time. And then now they start to kind of like take care of their voice better or the way that they should have been doing a while. Did you find yourself doing that over the years? That happened a long time ago. I think right before Smash or during Smash, I was uh, I was getting really hoarse a lot. Mm -hmm. So uh, our producer at the time knew a vocal coach in Hollywood a uh, lovely lady named Gloria. And uh, I went to her for about about a year, I guess. And we worked through kind of warming up and how to, you know, the breathing and stuff and some of that technique. Uh, I'm certainly no expert. And uh, I, I didn't, you know, wasn't, it wasn't like something I did every, every day for 10 years. I just kind of got some help with her to get me through the, uh, uh, the, what's the word, the, the toughness of touring. Now, during the recording process or even the writing process of this album, uh, what would you say was the most challenging song to to finalize? Oh, right. You were, talk- you were talking about that vocally. I- I'd have to say Gone Away. Um, Gone Away is on this record. And of course, it's a song that we wrote a long time ago and put on the Ixie on the Ombre record. And for for this record, we had been playing it live with just a piano, just a vocal and a piano. And it, it goes over really well that way. And um we had so many messages from people saying, where can I get a recorded version of the piano? You know, the piano gone away. So we decided to take that on in the studio. And I'd say that was toughest because, you know, I'm used to, to you know, barking or whatever and having uh, all these loud guitars behind me. And they kind of 
cover up your your flaws or the imperfections in your vocal. But with this, it was like the vocal is really out there and there's nothing to cover it up. The piano is just accompanying it. And that was really, really strange at first, kind of hard to get used to it. And, um, and frankly, it was a little uncomfortable because I felt just so much, the vocal felt so much more vulnerable, I guess is the word than, than what I'm used to, to singing. So it took a while to get it together. I think we spent, gosh, probably two, two and a half days maybe on that song just trying to get the vocalist as good as, as we could. But once it finally fell into place, then I felt, I feel comfortable with it now, but um, it is kind of funny to think that, you know, after all these years that actually, you know, just singing with your voice could make you feel weird. The fact that you got a little more vulnerable with this version, uh, would you say like the, the whole meaning and idea of the song kind of had an even bigger impact because now you were actually listening to your vocals as opposed to, to the entire band as a whole? Yeah, the arrangement makes you focus on the vocal more. It's just kind of the nature of it. And it's also so much more easy to hear the lyrics because you don't have all the guitars covering it up. So it kind of emphasizes the lyrics as well. And that's what we've been, well, that's the feedback we've been getting from playing it live. Earlier, you mentioned uh, that these, these like bits and pieces of recording of these sessions in between that you had of recording for this album helped you not to get burnt out. Uh, but during this time, you were also uh, in the process of getting your PhD for molecular biology. So, like, how do you focus and balance, you know, the studies and also, you know, working on a record during this time? Yeah, that was tough. I mean, luckily, I had flexibility. My my work was mostly computer based, so uh, I didn't necessarily have to be in the lab every single day. You, you definitely get more done probably if you, if you go there. So it was just kind of juggling both. We'd obviously have to go out of town to tour for a while. Then we'd come back and I try to get, try to hit the school. So really between those two things, I think the, you know, the recording was a little bit on the back burner there for a couple of years. It was just hard to get in the studio when I had to get this uh, homework, had to get my homework done. <laughs> but um, I think it actually took me, I thought it would only take a couple of years, but it took, it took five years for me to finish the PhD. Congratulations with that. that I mean, that's a, that's a feat in itself. Well, um, thank you. <laughs> now, lastly, to close this off, uh, Noodles had also mentioned that you guys also wanted to make sure you had uh, a label helping you guys, like backing the record once it released. So talk to me a little bit about the signing with Concord Records and why did you guys feel this uh, label was perfect for this album and for the band? Yeah, we had we had met with a, a, a couple labels and uh, we weren't really in a, a hurry because we didn't have the record done. And all of a sudden we were getting close thinking, oh, man, we don't have a record deal. I think, you know, when we've been on labels before, we've always had pretty good luck at no one messed with us artistically. We could kind of do whatever we wanted. And so this time it was kind of the same thing, except maybe even more because we didn't we didn't need a label to pay for it or whatever. We were just on our own making this record. We were going to deliver the finished product. So it was kind of just how we wanted it. Um, I liked Concord because they're, they feel like a small label, even though they're kind of a big label. And what I mean is like, they've got, you know, super legit departments. They've got a radio department and a streaming department and international and all that stuff. That's important to a band like us. Cause we've been fortunate that we can go around the world and play shows and, Europe, Japan, Australia, what have you. And so being able to serve those fans was important to us. And Concord, it feels homey and it feels kind of family-ish, uh, but they're, they've, got the, they've got the full muscle to pull all that off. Well, congratulations with the signing. Congratulations with the new album, Let the Bad Times Roll. 
And uh, thank you, Dexter, for taking the time to talk to me. Thank you very much. This was fun. I enjoyed speaking with you. Hey, it's Rob again. If you enjoyed this interview, please follow for more. And I invite you to head over to my YouTube channel, Front Row Live ENT, where I have thousands of video interviews with my favorite new and established artists. Once again, thank you so much for tuning in and have a great night.